Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our CuraCore Academy Talks. And it's my pleasure again to introduce you to Hannah Capon. Hi. Hello. Hello. And today we're going to discuss flooring and the importance of ensuring good footing, especially for your quadrupeds at home, dogs and cats. But it seems like dogs even more so because they just, they're higher up from the ground a lot of times and slip around more. So, um, and you know, it can affect more than just animals with arthritis. There's neurologic problems. There's um, dogs that are vision impaired or hearing impaired, and they just, they need to feel secure where they are. So, so Hannah, what have you noticed in your work that really stood out to you regarding flooring and Floor coverings really important. That's yeah. <laughs> um, to be fair, I think um, it's my main USP with Cam is the environmental adaptions are just game changers, and um, there's many incredible people talking about osteoarthritis, chronic pain rehab, and I guess my little kind of area being just on my rehab journey. I'm just at the beginning. Is flooring guys flooring flooring because um when I started bringing in a rehabilitative perspective to being a vet so I'm a vet guys and I'd been a vet for what 11 12 years before I started getting interested in chronic pain and then I did a clinical massage course and I was like whoa this is crazy and adding that to pharmaceutical and, you know, bringing in your weight management and bringing in, you know, chronic adjunct medication and stuff. I am, um, I set up a little home service and I was going to people's homes and I originally did it free of charge because I, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. So I got volunteer owners to let me go to their homes. And um, very quickly, I found myself giving advice about the house, just, just friendly advice. I was like, mm-hmm. you tripped over that step. And they're like, did he? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tripped over the step. And, like, right. and then I they like see them stumble down the stairs. I'm like, did you not see that? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And before I knew it, I um I was giving people house advice, which wasn't the intention at all, because it was just so common sense. Um, and then we um took that advice and put it on Facebook, and that's how Cam was born. Right. Our advice. And flooring was just a big part of that. The amount of owners, like I'd say 95% of owners have slippery floors. That's be lino, be it laminate, be it tiles, be it woods. People think it's animal friendly and it's not at all, you know. So um, it's probably the most common hazard that our dogs face. And we need to mention it in our treatment plans because it has the ability to completely destabilize a treatment plan. Can you imagine this, you know? You're four weeks into twice weekly days and the dog's beginning to do well and then it slips and it deteriorates and they feel like they've wasted the money. They feel that they're probably not going to bother trying again or maybe they only just started to see a little bit of improvement and now they don't. So they're like, oh, it didn't work. So um, it's, it's a huge, huge, important part of your management plan. Right, right. Well, and I think too for uh, the diagnostic component, like, or just the history taking component. I mean, we ask what supplements are they on? What drugs are they on? When did this all start? But um, just the contribution of slippery floors to a back problem or, or, you know, continued issues with with hip ligamentous laxity and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. if we don't ask about it, then it doesn't come to anybody's awareness and we can't, you know, change it. So, So right at the front end, I think for people that have, history forms that would be a good thing to um you know to to say what's what are things like in your flooring just like um for certain human practitioners they might ask how old is your mattress what kind of mattress do you sleep on you know so things that you're exposed to all the time that impact your body usually do and I'm, i was just really lucky i've just finished interviewing duncan lascelles who's probably pain god of the world yeah, yeah. And what was really lush about the interview is that he, I said to him, what do you feel the future holds? And he says, I think there's going to be improvements in three areas. And I was like, okay, tell us what they are. And he was like, there's going to be improvements in the way that we can monitor, we can identify and monitor and um, observe and measure pain. And I was like, yeah, so accelerometers, you know, um, wearable devices. 
And there's going to be advancements in pharmaceuticals, which is really exciting. So there's going to be more um, ways that we can actually um, hit the pain pathways. Yes. And he went, and I think we're going to have a greater understanding about other ways we can influence pain, such as their demeanor, reducing the anxiety, improving sleep. Um, and I was like, yes, yes. But what's really interesting is that a big cohort of people have been talking about this for years already. You know, Amber Batson is the sleep guru, as far as I'm concerned. And she's been lecturing about the importance of sleep and pain for, for a long time. So it's funny that you've got all these different excellent areas of pain management. Oh, what are each other up to? But yes, so back to the point. If you've got um, a hazardous environment and it's going to create anxiety and fear, these are going to be negative emotional states, which is going to make pain worse. So that's one aspect. The next aspect is it's going to be hazardous. So you are likely to have trauma. And the trauma could be microscopic and repetitive slips. So they're just going to place and they lose it, place it, lose it lose it so you've got microscopic trauma that's leading to macroscopic or you're going to have outright macroscopic trauma with falls and they're going to land heavy and they're not going to have the power the agility and the stability to correct that so um it's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer that's why we say more rugs less drugs <laughs> i like that this is something else i was going to be really, really facetious i have a I have a doll's rug oh yeah. And I was going to wrap it up and put it in a little medical box, you know, like a little pill pot. <laughs> I was going to give it to owners to go, there you go, there you go. I love that. But I realized that people might be offended, but I found it really funny. I prescribed I, for a rug. Have you yeah. Right. Here's a sample. No, that's, yeah. No, that's great. And um, yeah. And just reading, well, it, it's it's about different different people's um I, I was gonna say stakeholders, but that's weird to talk about in a home, but um just reading a little bit about flooring and all that, but well caregivers. With, caregivers. Caregivers, yeah. Um w- with flooring, like that some sites recommend against carpeting. I mean, I don't I don't I like rugs, little things that you can wash and, and vacuum and everything. I think over time, carpets can be an issue, especially if there's, you know, inappropriate urination or, or, or things that accrue in carpet, but, but rugs, little area rugs or, or rugs that you can get cleaned or just clean well, I think is, is a real improvement. And um, yeah, laminate is like one of the worst in terms of traction and all that. Can you hear me? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And um, I say I have on occasion used a slightly more heavy handed approach. So let me tell you a story. Sure. I had um, a guy with a black elderly Labrador and um, obviously the diagnosis of OA and significant pain was a total shock to him. Mm. He knew something was wrong. But when I described what I found, he was absolutely heartbroken. And his dog was his life. Yeah, everything about the dog catered for. But he'd um, he'd moved into a bungalow for the dog. It was a bungalow for the dog. And he'd um, made it beautiful. And he'd just laid down a parquet flooring, three and a half grand parquet flooring. And I went, well, so you're going to need to get some rugs and some runners. He went, oh, I can't, oh, excuse me. No, I've, I've just had that floor put down. You know, it's three and a half grand. It's just been furnished. You're like, okay, just said to me that you'll do anything <laughs> you're not gonna put a rug down are you are you for real but you really have to show owners and so what I ended up doing is collecting video clips mm. and a really good video clip of a, a, an overweight pug without clinical problems according to the owner walking across a laminate floor and you just see its back foot never having full traction it places away and it slips away slips away slips mm. away but the dog just gets on with it because what's he going to do? He's got to get on with it, hasn't it? But I've got an array of clips from that all the way through to a dog that sat in a, a doorway that won't go on it. You know, yeah, not going to it. Right, right. And, you know, it, it, it's, you do have to give them kind of a visual. You have to explain it. And it is really worth learning some lingo of 
why they struggle. So they're weak, they've lost agility and power to correct any slips and trips, but they've also lost these proprioceptive capabilities. So their placement is likely to be poor. So they're going to weight bear, they're going to transfer weight onto that limb in a slightly wrong position. So it's more likely to slip and they've not got the ability to bring it back. So that's going to pull some soft tissue and you're just going to magnify the pain. And I'm going to start going, okay, yeah, I get that. But if you just say put rugs down the window. Yeah. Right. Well, and then like from my osteopathic background perspective, then, then it's, it's not only the feet and, um, you know, maybe the hips, but it, it comes back to the back too and the neck. And so, Mm -hmm. so they're kind of walking like this. They've learned to keep themselves together really stiffly. Uh, but that's, that's no good. That's not healthful. And, you know, just, worsens all kinds of things so but but from a palpation perspective i think especially dogs with hip problems and they have ligamentous laxity in that coxofemoral joint that they're slipping i mean maybe that pug too they're slipping out like that and Mm -hmm. so they they hyperactivate the internal muscles the gracilis and the adductors and so when we're doing our palpation exam one of the things i alert my students to is that there you can find tenderness to palpation in that medial um thigh mm. region because they're they're using those so much and then also uh in the front limbs oftentimes like the pectoral region is really tight uh because again they're holding everything and they're trying just holding to it, it together yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i also found another phrase that i say quite a lot is um i'll, I'll say you know when people say that they've put their back out and people go yeah yeah and you're like well, you know that's muscular in the big majority of cases. And then I, I thought it was, I thought it was like disc. I'm like, no, no, no. Right. Most often it's muscular. And then I, right. And I said, so they've got an underlying problem, and they've got therefore really, really tense muscles that have been guarding that area. So they thought maybe it's poor posture over time, like mine, or it might be they have got something grumbling, but the muscles are, uh, uh, and then they slip, or they something up from the floor, and they, and they're like. They, they pull a muscle and that's excruciating pain that have people laid up on, you know, doctor says, don't move for a week, take some um, paracetamol, heat sack yourself. Like, uh-huh. I'm like, that's happening to your dog. <laughs> they right. can, you know, people really assume that the pain state, if it's worsening, it must be related to the joint disease. They find it hard to look at the bigger picture. So you do have to educate and we have tools to help you. So anybody that uses the CAM website, there's a tool there called It's My Home Too. So hashtag It's My Home Too. And it's 17 questions that really start trying to get the owner to see the obstacles in their um, dog's environment. And you can either use it online and it's got lots of pictures to guide you because owner's visual. Um, or you can print it off as a PDF and you can hand it out to them. Um, it's not got so many pictures because it's too expensive on the ink. But um, yeah available for you guys that's wonderful because i think that um again with with this not being something that most veterinary students learn in school then to come up with the questions i mean it's a good be it would be a good learning experience even for veterinary professionals to go to your website and um yeah canine arthritis management is cam and uh and that's what you Mm -hmm. head up and that's why we're doing this talk. Yeah, you'll be pleased to know we um we train them um, final year at vet schools now. So I did oh, Glasgow on Monday. We've done Liverpool, Edinburgh, and Glasgow. We're looking for contacts abroad. You know, if anybody has any connections to universities over in Canada and America, we people we can do it. And um, but yeah, we're bringing this kind of information to the final year vet students so that they go out much better equipped. You know. Oh, that's wonderful. So what does the program look like? I'm just curious with, with the veterinary school. Um, it's a nine to five. I talk from nine to five. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically we start talking about pain and understanding much more about the pain pathway, understanding about pain being a perception and therefore how the emotional and the cognitive component fits in so that vet students will expand their mind to give much more multimodal advice. But we go into what causes OA, we talk about how the drugs work, we talk about lifestyle, we talk about where all the complementary therapies, integrative therapies fit in, we talk about nutraceuticals, we talk, it's it's a big day, it's it's rammed. 
That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Well, I, I'll pass the word around for <laughs> U.S. Vet School. It's fun. I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. It's exhausting. Yeah. We get to, we get to laugh because I'm not a tutor. I'm not one of their tutors. I can be outrageous. And yeah. They, right. <laughs> so right. they're like, oh my God, did she just say that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not on your, I'm not in your staff. That's great. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking about the vet schools, then I think our vet teaching hospitals and even the clinical hospitals, how you build a, a, a clinic should include mm. consideration of the flooring. I mean, and as a model for the clients. And, and mm. um, I know when I taught at Colorado State University that those, uh, the, the janitorial staff at in the evening, because I would usually do my acupuncture treatments after hours when it was calm, but they would polish the floors for hours, you know, and, and there was one small hallway that seemed to have more of a rubberized flooring. And that was when they were doing neuro exams or something, but um, these poor dogs, they'd try to hug against the wall so they wouldn't slip and uh, people just didn't understand, but here's the, you know, the students are learning, yeah, this is how to keep a clean place. And so since then they've uh, changed some of the tile, but it's still tile. But I think, I mean, what do you, how do you keep it the cleanest possible without having enormous laundry bills um, from little, um, you know, area rugs and things? Yeah, mats, you know, rubber walkways really. Oh, yeah, true. I think um, we over here have exactly the same but there are vets that are realizing this and they're either going for low cost adaptions, which would be buy a load of yoga mats, cut them in half, roll them up and have them in the waiting room. So that at least that dog's got traction in transitions. Yes. And then he can lay on the mat and at least he can get up. And it's just a little bit in the right direction. They should be available in every consult room. There should be rubber mats in the consult room. Personally, I don't use the table anymore. I push the yeah. table and I work on the floor. Um, in every kennel, it should have rubber matting. That dog's vulnerable. They're coming around from a sedation or an anesthetic. There should be slings available within these. So if you can see that they're going to be a little bit skinny, then get a sling underneath and just support them, stabilize them. You wouldn't put a right. child on a bike that couldn't ride a bike without stabilizers right. in a concrete park, would you? You wouldn't. You just wouldn't do it. Right. So why do we think dogs um so i think we can step in the right direction but um we've got uh, a product out of here called poor safe um it's a commercial company that's um made they've got a liner you know, that's got really good traction in it it's um they sent me a sample and i did yoga in fluffy socks on it and i was pretty solid on it mm. it was okay so um some vet practice have looked into um, now using that instead of going for shiny, shiny, shiny. Right. And it's noticed, let me tell you a little ditty. Um, Polly's Army, which is our community group, has got 10,000, nearly 11,000 owners on it now. And there was a dog training program on national TV this week. And this dog trainer, you know, who's one of them, I know everything. <laughs> right. Anyway, the, the, the dog was... Um, not wanting to get off the sofa and he wasn't wanting to walk and the man said what a diva just pull her and the dog obviously struggling you can see posture change physical changes holly's army these educated owners i went crazy they yeah. went crazy oh my god he should get struck off the bbc should not put things up there can't he see it's blinking obvious the dog is scared of the floor and um the message is getting out there it's great yeah, yeah. So yeah what was that into the trap of not doing anything so if right. you've got owners you need to be aware and you completely don't acknowledge it they'll notice right 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 um yeah I used to have this recurring dream it's been a long time now but that I was wearing high heels which I really never ever did but just for maybe the one time of trying it on but, and just, I couldn't get traction. I was trying to walk on a floor and I was just slipping all over the place. It was really scary. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's what these. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, you talk to a lot of behaviorists and they're very aware of it because it's mm -hmm. added to that deep seated kind of negatively aroused state that so many other behaviors worsen through. So, you know, it, it doesn't have just physical 
effects. It has emotional and, and, and cognitive effects. Well, and definitely. And then if the person is modeling a trainer like that domineering individual that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to pull them. I'm supposed to say, don't don't be a weenie or or whatever. Um, and, mm. and they don't understand. So yeah, I just can't stand that level of ignorance. Um, but yeah. No. It's tricky, isn't it? Cause, um, uh, we have a, a little, um, group a bit like you. So we've got, um, a Facebook group called Cam Advocate and anybody that's done the Cam Advocate course can go in and they can share ideas, seek advice, just vent, you know, and actually it's, it's an area where people can vent, about what they're seeing or how they're having to work with maybe other allied professionals that don't have their understanding and how hard it is. And um, one lady, she'd come on to vent about exactly that, you know, how can people not see the signs of of pain and distress? But some people don't, sadly. And I, I ended up saying, We've got to be grateful for what we do have in that we've got definitely a movement towards people that do understand it now. There's a a collective, the volume of us is growing. One of my inspirations is a lady called Sarah Heath, and she got into clinical behavior 30 years ago. And that was when non-steroidals weren't prevalent. You know, that was primitive analgesics weren't even available. And she's talking to vets that don't even believe in pain relief. In this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. And so if she can do it, we can do it. You know, come on. Right, 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 right. Well, and I think if she's stuck with it. Yeah. Well, and and as you've done with Holly's Army, that a tremendous resource, you know, is this grassroots people, um, dog lovers, just animal lovers. I mean, that's that's where you have the numbers and that, you know, so many changes have come out of that. I mean, of course, in the U.S., there's there's cannabis. I mean, that's literally a grassroots thing. But um, but changing like formulations of animal food, the diets, and, and becoming less you know gross and more natural, and having more inclusion. So the pressure does work, and and you know I think even even having taught at vet schools for a long time, uh, I mean, you, it, if they didn't. If you don't, if you're in a closed system and not exposed to these new ideas, then you just keep on teaching the things that you were taught. And so mm-hmm. I just love what's happening nowadays uh, with with the more awareness from practitioners and and people, caregivers. Um, one one thing that yeah, I've been seeing a lot of lately is that when people are coming through our acupuncture or rehab programs and they finally um, start doing the myofascial examinations in their clinic. And like one of my things is you don't have to cause pain to find pain. And I talk about orthopedic Mm. exams and how you can do that without making the animal scream and that we don't force their necks around to Mm. um, see when they're going to yell out. And, um, and when that sinks in, I mean, it's very clear and they, when we do maybe a live session like this, they're like, I feel so bad about the number of years I have done that to animals. So, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful awakening, but they do kind of have to reckon with what, what, you know, their past and they didn't know. I mean, and that's where you going into vet schools, you're saving all of those I students. Didn't know. You know, I, yeah, I was looking at video my own dog and um, my interest in pain management and oh my god I've got so much to learn I am so at the beginning and but my my knowledge back then was even less and I look at the way I picked her up I look at the way I handled her the fact that I kicked her football um I you know stones on the beach you know I, I just wasn't aware so I just want to make sure that any information that we put out there comes with kindness because there's there's two different kinds of like ignorance. There's there's ignorant ignorance, you know, and there's just ignorance, you yeah. know, where people didn't know, and they're actually really good people. So um, we have to put it out in a really kind way, and in many ways it has to come out in a very passive way. So that's why 
we have these tools and they're well branded. We know that people buy into branding. They get confidence. If there's if there's a, a continuity of color scheme, font, layout, you know it with your own branding. It gives people reassurance. Um, but it's it's a gift. It's being given for people to take in their own time. We're not forcing it. We're not telling them. Um, so that's just another tip, you know, passive giving of information and letting people kind of figure it out is quite a nice way as well or you go for the proper blunt which is what I've had to do sometimes is you'll get used to the sight of rugs but you won't get used to the loss of your dog and I've Mm. said that probably about two or three times wow that's great because it's true put those put those rugs down for a period of time and they just become part of the furniture they're there aren't they oh the heartbreak yeah will stay with you Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I know. Um, so my mother had, had lived at my house for a period of time and, uh, the area where she lived, I did have this wood look porcelain tile. So it has some traction to it, but I, I don't have dogs. I have cats and, and they do pretty well, but, um, but her thing was area was little rugs that she would put around for her cat. And, um, and I, I mean, in in my living area, I had like bigger oriental rugs and stuff, but she would do these little rugs and, um, and it wasn't really my color scheme. And so then, but then she broke her, uh, she fractured her pelvis because she, she just kind of felt faint and she went down on my hard porcelain, um, tile and fractured her pelvis and then went to rehab and then is now in a nursing home and she's doing well and she walks around. She's like that most highly functioning person there. But, um, but still, so number one, the hard floor was not good for her. Um, but you know, so I think there, but there is like when you have an older person in the house and if they would be in a wheelchair, then that's probably something that, that you can discuss or whatever. But, but anyway, so when she moved out, then I took out all the, the little rugs, and and I just had it bare for a while. And then I thought, you know what? The floor is pretty cold. And so now I have almost every bit of the that area um, covered with these very colorful area rugs that I can put into the washing machine. Like, so there's there's multiples. They're all like it's it's almost like a full carpeting, but I can pull up each piece and wash mm. it. And I got these, these, this style, this company that makes these great colors. And so I have mm-hmm. one room with like a, a deep purple, and then I have kind of like a coral, like that color, or, you know, it's just a really pretty orangey pinkish and, um, and then a, a really nice teal or blue green. I mean, it's just so much fun. Um, yeah. and they feel great to walk on. It's not just the usual sort of bathroom matte rug kind of thing, but they have these little loops. It's a great company. They have rubber backing and I'm just enamored with it. And it just changes, changes the color. It changes the feel. Yeah. You have to be very positive about it. And yeah. It gives them all the pros. So um, in, in my house, I ended up having roll up runners. So it was more of like the Hessian-y kind of hempy kind of woven. But the good thing about that is when I'd go and stay with my parents, I could roll some of them up and I could take them with me because they had wooden floors everywhere. And sometimes you'll say something like that to an owner, that's a good idea. And if you've got um, an owner that's got maybe somebody that is like a a high-risk trip hazard, Mm -hmm. or we can't have rugs down, you can say, well, we could have rubber-backed, you know, um, just doormats. And you can get these ones that are are very thin and it is like a, a doormat so very rather thin yeah. and it's got a kind of rubber edge yeah. and it goes on a roll and you can you can have lengths of it and they're like oh I didn't know that so it sounds daft but you have to be ready to coach it's counseling at the end of the day it's counseling you know um yeah. don't give up is what I'm trying to say I at one point used to carry um samples with me yeah People could actually kind of go, oh, I didn't realize there was so much choice. There's a company over here um, that has where you rip the top of the rug off and the base layer stays down. So it's a thin thing that you can fold up and put in the washing machine and then you lay it back down and it oh, sticks. I see. So that's, that's really good as well. But I think I just want to stress that um, it, it makes a difference. So I'll tell you a story about um, a, a little dog. She's called Millie, Millie Lats. Um, they were South African and they um, I went in it was a white terrier 
and I couldn't touch them. It was so painful, I couldn't mm. touch it. And so they're thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do with my time? I've got to give them value for my service. So we did a house inspection. And as we were doing house inspection, it came out that the dog had a thing for pigeons. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. What, what do you mean it's a thing for pigeons? She said, well, you would never think she was in pain because she runs from one side of the house to the other and she smashes into this glass door trying to get the pigeons at the end of the garden. I'm like, right, did you ever think to stop that? <laughs> but because they could, why would a dog ever do that when they were in pain? Why would they do that? Because it will create pain. It's much more complex than that. But what we ended up doing is I spoke to them about pain. I spoke to them about how dogs live in the now and other neurochemicals. And I persuaded them to put some translucent glass at the base of the door so they couldn't see what was on the on the lawn. And we put runners, rubber back runners around the house. And we just fenced off her having this high speed pathway within three weeks, full body massage. So it was that behavior was driving the pain state. Mm. Um, her emotional state, she would get more angry at the pigeons because when she hit the glass, she was like, that hurts. you pigeons are at fault. I'm going to really tell you off. I'm going to tell you to go away properly next time. Smash even harder. So um, you got to just be kind of a little bit of a detective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and maybe if the floors were slippery also, she couldn't brace herself and stop that easily. Yeah. Um, I, and, and even though I mentioned cats and that they are slower, lower to the ground, um, but, but it, the floor, the flooring still is an issue because, uh, number one, if we, if we're playing, whether it's with a, a little pen light laser or, or a little toy or whatever, they want to be on, on the rugs. Um, so like on my, let's say a nine by 12 rug that I have. And, and if I go over to the side, they're like, they wait till it comes back to the rug because they don't want to go on the ceramic tile. So that's one yeah. thing. And then, um, and then there's uh, when they do what I call crazy cat and they just go berserk and run and meow and go just they, the zoomies or whatever people call it. But if they do hit a patch of floor, then they're like, Shh. and and that's not yeah. good for them. Um and so, so it does affect cats too. I, I, I definitely know that. Um, but it, but when I have done house calls in places with a lot of dogs, I mean, it, so it's a different quality there where there's just a bunch of them and they might knock into each other and, and mm-hmm. there's, there's like more mayhem and then they might go up the stairs and get knocked around. So um, I think it's, it's amplified especially if there's like then the doorbell rings and they're all running and barking and everything. And yeah, there's a lot of mayhem, but what are the consequences if they're slipping around there? And, and there are consequences. It's like for one person to slip on the ice for a second, as you're going out to your car or something, it's like, Oh, that was scary. Well, what if that's your reality all day long? I agree. hundred yeah. percent agree. I just think that we need to realize that, you know, there might start to be a bit of antagonism in, in multi-dog households. And you're like, well, where did they start from? Was it because there's an underlying pain state and the dog slipped and he bumped into his fellow housemate at the same time that he slipped and he hurt himself. And now he relates that his hurt is that dog's cause. And you just sit there going, oh, my God, this is huge. This is huge. And um, let's even think about could it cause a way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I agree. Good point. I mean, with with stretching the ligaments continually and changing the ability of the muscles to to keep that joint solid, definitely. And then another thing that I've noticed in practice is that if there is a dog for for whatever number of reasons and they do have some kind of a back problem and maybe spinal issue, maybe neurologic like spinal cord disc disease or whatever, then they can like with your book, you know, that they can start to be proactively um, standoffish and maybe even snap at one of the other animals to like, stay away from me. And just seems like they know that they are vulnerable and they don't want to be knocked into. No, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we, we definitely haven't, we haven't captured the academic more kind of specialist about could flooring affect development because we're still very very in the mindset that OA specifically is a developmental joint disease it's more genetic it's 
more um, dietary related, etc. But I, I really can't believe that we're not going to collect evidence over the next decade going to more. There's a huge environmental component because, you know, the joint, yes, is its formation, its morphology is going to be very genetically driven, but there are going to be outside influences that is going to affect the modelling. And if we've got abnormal joints, we're going to get away. So, yeah, nail right. care. If we're talking about nail care, you know, how oh, yeah. that posture and therefore it can lead to problems, then certainly flooring can. Right. And the interaction between the two. Oh, God. Awful. Can you imagine? Like, have you ever worn shoes where your toe is touching the toe of the shoe? So every time you place your foot, you just get a nudge, just a nudge. And it starts off, you go out wearing those shoes as a lady that because they match the outfits and you're like, oh, I can put up with the, the slight discomfort. They're only tight. And you're at a wedding or something. And within an hour, you're like, Jesus Christ. Right, right. <laughs> you know, that, that little nudge, 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 nudge eventually becomes quite, oh, my God. And if that's, that's a nail, hit the floor, hit the floor. Yeah. You how tender feet should become. Well, right. And, um, and then the, the co- compensatory thing is if their nails are too long, then they start bending backwards like, the, you know, so hyperextending. And then that's going to put a strain on, on the muscles, various muscles in various ways. It's, it's going to impact their posture and, and of course their, their steadiness and all that. Yeah. And it's so sad. I work, I work in first opinion practice and a good percentage of, of adult and senior dogs have overgrown nails. And you sit there going, this is such a battle to fight. They don't, they don't understand. And I, um, I had a friend who had a housemate, a, a lovely Vizsla, who um, really overgrown nails, like really awful. Wow. And they had wounds, and the dog was often very vacant and behaved quite strangely. And they were like, oh, she's just a bit weird in the head. And I was like, she's in pain, and she doesn't know what to do with herself. You know, mm-hmm. she'd go and kind of like hang out by the wall. Uh, but they wouldn't, wouldn't take it on board. They said, oh, she doesn't like her claws being clipped, so I'm just not going to put her through it. And I was like, well, you can sedate her. Yeah, yeah. sedate I'm done. So claws is another, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great if there was some kind of a service that went around to people's houses. Like, I, I, I don't know if vet, vet techs could practice on their own in the UK or and do that. Not yeah, tech- no, no, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. I think... Um, yeah, I think just we need education there to yeah. kind of get to start handling the feet and cutting nails at a very young age, making it a really positive experience. Appropriate mm-hmm. mm-hmm. implements so it doesn't actually hurt. Because it must hurt when you actually cut the nail. There's a pinching of the quick. There's always going to be a pinch of the quick because you're compressing the nail as you cut it, unless you're using a Dremel. Um, anyway, <laughs> I could go on. Yeah. The thing is, the brain just kind of goes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's how it is. But yeah, with, with nails, I think too, that, I mean, you're, there's a torque on there too, because there's this extension. So, Mm. so it, it gets to that digit and and then it happens with cats too. And their claws can start to grow into their pads and that's a real bad thing. Yeah. 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 So much to do. We've just got so much to do. We've all got to collectively kind of take areas. I know my area, like I said, my USP is, is the home environment and cam battles with that one yes we help with medication nutrition we try and do everything to it way. but our real shouting message is anybody of any financial background any physical backgrounds can improve the environment just understand it and you can start making adaptions you take the rug that was underneath the dining room table <laughs> you put it to where the park is you know we put rugs under coffee tables you can't get to the rug why is it there? It's stupid. Right. So you just have to kind of like start it and lay, kind of go, shower, charcoal from her. They've always got them in the attic. There's always a yeah. rug in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the area that comes. Right. Well, and um, and I think still it's a learning opportunity for, for people. And if you brought that rug out from under the dining room table, then the kids would pile on it too. And I mean, everybody could enjoy it more. 
um, and and the animals would congregate there. Um, yeah, it's a just a shift, just like a, in a hospital, going from clinic centered and maybe bottom line centered to patient centered, and um, mm-hmm. and instead of just home beautiful according to what somebody told you it should be, this is this is family beautiful. You know, where we're all thinking of each other's needs, and and people would. Um, they would like it too. I mean, I think most of the things. I think you've hit a really relevant. I think you've hit a really relevant point there, and that um, we really try and be cognizant of the biopsychosocial point, or and the other is called contextual consulting, where you actually look at, you open your eyes and you widen your field of view. It's not just the dog in, it's the owner, it's the family members, it's the house, it's the car, and you widen your view. Um, And biopsychosocial, really using that terminology, makes you try and get into the owner's head. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, pressure on society now to be of a certain ilk, you know, you've got to have the feng shui look, you've got to have this minimal clinical clean, and, you know, the pressures of social acceptance and striving to be something that you see on Instagram is huge. I I feel sorry for the generations that are coming. So you've got that to kind of overcome. They've got this social house that they feel demonstrates their personality and who they are and their stature and where they belong in society and you just told them to cover it up cover it with rugs <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is disturbing my my mental space you know this makes me happy it makes me look like I'm successful and if I look successful I can fit in with these people mm. I can fit in with myself I can be happy with myself so be kind is what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. yeah it applies across the board so mm. yeah we've got a weird world at the moment it's gonna get worse for a while i think we do yeah yeah but maybe there'll be a, a renaissance of uh of comfort and and i don't know just kindness and like you're saying and we'll see <laughs> well maybe we should start a rebellion sure <laughs> well i think we already are rebelling but um I'm I'm on a rebellion. I I I I've stepped away from aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um yeah. But yeah, there is there is I mean just and this is a bit off topic but I think you have I think the the unspoken pressure and the immersive like you're saying um social media thing that we don't even critique necessarily or or it's easy to just be inundated with these things these are the standards but it's so freeing to say no and 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 to rebel um and and be individualistic and it kind of just that takes nurturing mm-hmm. too because you're going against the, the grain but it, it's well worth it it really is but i think it also applies to so much is the choice of the dog you know people choose breed because of the social group that they may want to to remain or frequent and you look at the cars people drive you know these high cars that they have to jump in at, and they see on the adverts you know that it'll be a, a dog food advert on tv national tv and the dog leaps out the car and there's a shine of that it's healthy and active and you know athletically amazing and they're just letting the dog and their dog flops out of the car <laughs> and you're like uh, you can't carry it <laughs> right no, Efforts, they let them jump out so you know, there's so much pressure um around us to conform or or be something so I think rather than me going into the massive psychology which I happen to love I'm trying to say be kind you know it's taken us a long time to get to the thought process that we have for all the enlightenments that we've had and all the lessons and the learning and the teaching and the opinions that we've been absorbing for years to get to where we are now they haven't right right <laughs> at the beginning so um yes don't lose your cool don't get exasperated don't get impatient um just keep trying because it, I promise you, I swear to God, it makes such a difference to your treatment plan. Right, right. Well, how about if we um, just review the 
your where your website is and and Facebook group and all that because that can save people a lot of time and and just get right into the learning right away. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can find Canine Arthritis Management at www.canineArthritis.co.uk. And that's C-A-N-I-N-E-A-R-T-H-R-I-T-I-S. Big tip, guys, if you're passing on the website address, spell it for them. Because a lot of them do K9. Oh. People don't actually know how to spell arthritis, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So from there, you will be able to access all of our social media because we're on Facebook um, in a number of places. Facebook, we've got the main page. We've got Holly's Army. We've got the equipment review page. We've got Cam Advocates. There's a few more groups. Then we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. You'll find 400 videos on YouTube now. There's a lot. So we interview a expert Nada's been on twice <laughs> every week, and we've been doing it since about 2017, 2018. So, if you're wanting to up your CPD, you will find so much on there. Um, we do practice training. So, we come in and we'll train a practice. We can do um, vets, nurses, and receptionists. We do it online. Did one this weekend for a practice in Yorkshire. So, I train receptionists and nurses and vets in a very clever little way with breakout rooms and stuff. We do owner um, courses online. So there's recorded owner courses. If you're really struggling with an owner, but they they quite like to find out more information, let me do the talking for you. It's 12 short modules. It's 20 quid. So that's what, about $28? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there's the owner courses. And also for there's recorded courses for professionals. So if you're a dog trainer, dog walker, if you've got people that you're working with and they don't quite understand, you maybe have got an assistant or you've got um, people doing agility and you're like, come on, get it. Mm-hmm. You can put them in advocate course. So we try and cover all bases. It's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Yeah, a lot, a lot. And, um, and so what do you hear like from a practice? If you talk to them in six months or a year, after you've been there, what kinds of things do they tell you? Well, at the moment, here in the UK, we've got a horrendous staffing situation and there's a huge oh. flux of um, vets and vet nurses actually leaving the profession, mm. changing jobs. So we've learned our lesson. We, um, we've trained practices and they've been really engaged. And we even had one practice go, well, do you know what? Our non-steroidal sales have gone up by, um, it was... 19% our food sales have gone up 50% our attendance to OA clinics has gone up 50% that was within a month this yeah. out so we now um, offer a coaching um, package so after they've done a training I see them at the two weeks point six week the 10 week and six months and I've just got um, a group of practices we're on 10 week and I had a meeting this week and they're like we've done this we've done that and I'm like <laughs> whereas if they didn't have that coaching I think it would fizzle and they'd go back to bad habits yeah well and I would bet that that's a similar schedule to when you're educating clients about mm-hmm. new approaches or you're implementing some kind of integrative therapy or other that you want to see them and and just do these check-ins and and just get them used to this new way so it's more deeply ingrained yeah, 100%. And what do they say? You've got to um, see it, hear it, do it or something. Yeah. I think we all of these old wives phrases really illustrate that for decades, for millennia, you know, we've struggled to get people to change habits. Habits are really hard to break. It's like it would be easier to push a boulder from um, standstill than trying to have the boulder coming towards you and you, mm. and you push it. Mm. And that's what you're doing with people that have routines and habits the boulder is coming at you guys <laughs> you have to stop it first and you got to then push mm-hmm. that is hard work so um don't expect people to just buy into it instantly it's going to take repet- repetition yeah yeah well and then and then i just had an image of one person trying to stop that boulder but then if you have your army and every everybody's mm-hmm. there that that just i i just think that 
what you're building is it is making so much of a difference uh you know even the practitioners even even the army members it, their lives are probably happier too. yeah well what is um it, within within holly's army we've got a group of um dog owners and canine professionals there's about 30 to 40 that have had private training from me and the team so that they are very enlightened owners but they're still peer-to-peer that they're an owner talking to an owner and there's definitely a really big opportunity to impart information because there's no white coat effect they're not being told they're not being told off because it's owner to owner and um it's a really good place for vicarious learning we have a lot of people that maybe they've lost their dog and they all pipe up and go well I've just said goodbye to Benji and I've, I've loved being in this group for the last couple of years you've never seen me but I've listened to every word you've said so thank mm-hmm. you so, um, you know, if you're struggling, pushing your owner into a forum situation that's um, supervised is another way to kind of get a passive offloading of information. Right, right. Well, and I think that that, that thread of kindness and acceptance and encouragement um, makes it a warm environment so that they mm. can feel safe there as well. Yeah, really is. Like we really don't let any product recommendations we if somebody is spouting something that's got no evidence base we're like come on no we even (laughs) the ambassadors they will do a little bit of research into who the person was and we found companies who are portraying themselves as an owner to recommend the products and the canvas like they've mentioned that a couple of times (laughs) let's just go and find out who they are and they hunt them down on facebook and they're like Actually, that person works for that company. And you're like, oh, don't mess with the ambassadors. Right, right. They'll, they'll dig you out. No, that's good. And 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 that just improves that level of confidence and, and security mm-hmm. and, and trust in the group. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, good. Well, I hope that we can um, en- enlighten some people's minds about flooring and other issues when we put this out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for joining me again. It's always wonderful to see you. It's always wonderful to see you too. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Canada. All right. You too, Hannah. 